Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Father God, we thank you that you are a generous, loving and gracious God. And as we started this morning recognising the ways that you bless us and we continue to do that as we bring our tithes and our offerings, Lord. Just as, not only, but as a a small recognition of the way that you bless us so abundantly, the way that you provide for us and that we can partner with you in what you're doing here in Horsham and around the world by bringing our tithes into the storehouse. Lord, we bless the people that will steward these finances. We bless the people that will receive the blessing of these finances in different ways across the world, Lord. We just thank you, God, that you are, that you are so good and your love never fails. And we could never reach the end of your goodness, your blessing, your love. And for all these things we say thank you and amen. All right, beautiful. Let's get into the Word as we wrap up our Acceptable Sin series. If you want to open up to Matthew chapter 18 uh, in your Bible or on the YouVersion app, you can find all the Scripture there plus some extras. And this will be the last uh, Sunday that we spend on this Acceptable Sin series. Hope that it's been helpful and encouraging in some way, shape or form for you. If you've missed any of the messages, um, can I encourage you to go to the website um, and follow the links to the podcast page where you can track right back um, through laziness and gossip and gluttony and envy and pride and lust and end up where we will be today. doesn't sound really appealing when you list them off like that, does it? But, you know, if you want a little kind of challenge, a bit of a reminder, if you missed any of them um, over the last couple of months, I would say right from the start, and we've, uh, I think we've tried to remind you each week that we've done it, it hasn't been our desire or our job or anything like that to stand up here and say, here's these sins that you are committing or we're committing as a church community, you need to go and fix this. The intention has been right from the get-go, from the planning of this series, is to highlight things we believe are still prevalent in the life of the church, in the community of followers. That's you and me as Horsham Church of Christ and probably other churches as well, but for us as a community to go, we think these are issues that we're still facing. And as followers of Jesus, as sons and daughters of God, these are things that actually shouldn't be revealing themselves in our lives. And so we've just looked to get into God's Word and highlight them and to speak into them and highlight how they might be revealing themselves in our lives and just invite each and every one of us to get alone with the Holy Spirit and let Him convict us. See, I don't believe it's my job, it's our job as the preachers, the teachers, the speakers here as part of Horsham Church of Christ to convict you. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. So I, we stand here, we go before the Lord, we prepare our hearts, our spirits, and we come before you, and we get into God's Word and lead you through what we believe the Lord wants to share with us as a community today, and then encourage you that this isn't the start or the finish of the conversation. 
that for every single one of us, we go away from it today and get into His Word, get alone with the Lord and go, God, what are you saying to me about where there might be lust in my life? What are you saying to me about where there might be gossip? What are you saying to me about envy or pride? What do I need to confess in my life, Lord? Where do I need your forgiveness in my life? Now, it was meant to be greed today, um, but I've changed it. Um, And today we're dealing with unforgiveness. So Matthew uh, chapter 18, we're going to get there in a minute. Uh, Last week, Linda Linda spoke on envy. um, And at one point she said, envy is like poison. And that's so true. Envy is really poisonous and probably at the same level of poisonous or as poisonous as poisonous is unforgiveness in our lives. And we're going to look at the impacts of unforgiveness and how that rears its ugly head in our lives. The beautiful thing overarching all of these sins and even the sins that we haven't listed, the sins that we haven't talked about over the last couple of months is that we are redeemed, restored and saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and nothing else. That's the wholesale truth that underpins it all. We can be wrapped up and caught up in gossip and lust or envy or pride or unforgiveness. And the beautiful aspect of all of this is that it is only through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are saved, healed, restored and redeemed into right relationship with the Father. Isn't that good? Because that means it's not my job. It's not your job. None of us can save ourselves. We humbly submit ourselves to our perfect loving Father and say, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned in this way or that. For this is my sin. For this is where I've held out on you, God. This is where I've not lived the life that you have given me to live. And we can receive His forgiveness. Not because of anything we do or don't do, but because of what He has already done through His death on the cross. So I kind of want us to remember that as we go through uh, this conversation today. We, uh, we've just come back from holidays. We went to the beautiful Blue Mountains. Who's been to the Blue Mountains? How good is it? We were, we were on a one tour at one point, um, and the tour guide says, have a look at the scenery, and you have a look, and you think, you know, it's incredible kind of valleys that you can see down, and, um, incredible mountains, and she says, it's not even 2% of the Blue Mountains. That's how massive the place is. I was like, that's, that's incredible. And we went on a boardwalk down in a rainforesty part of Blue Mountains near Katoomba. Um, and so we were looking, they had signs along the way, and they had one particular sign on biodiversity that really uh, struck me as I read it. Now, I'm no scientist. I'm no green thumb at all. I kill weeds. That's the extent and sometimes plants too, but that's a different story. Um, And this is what science said, so if it's slightly wrong or the wording's not right, deal with it. Any bare surface, so it's talking about rocks, it has rocks in in the forest and talking about the plants that are growing out of the rocks. And I don't know about you, but I've looked at these rocks before and I'm like, how is there a plant growing out of a rock? I'm about to explain it to you. You're welcome. Any bare surface is first colonised by single-celled plants called algae. These are visible as red or yellow staining. Once established, lichens start to grow. These are greenish and grey. Lichens produce acids in their rootlets which break up the sandstone. As the lichen grows, it catches dust and soil, which when wet allows the mosses to grow. 
It's fascinating, isn't it? You're all captivated. It's like fun. This is what you came to church for. Mosses accumulate more soil and keep it wet, which further breaks up the rock. Other plants grow in the soil accumulated by the mosses. Grasses and small shrubs send their roots in the cracks and expand them. Other plants grow on the rocks, including orchids and ferns. Isn't that fascinating? So it just starts with um, some algae that kind of attaches itself and then something else comes and hooks into the algae and then there's some moss that grows and then there's dust and soil that gathers and, and then you've got plants that kind of get in there and start to grow out of this rock that once upon a time would have been this crackless surface. You'd look at it and go, man, that's really hard. You can lift it on your own. You couldn't do anything with it unless you blew it up or used a jackhammer and yet here's this act of nature this you know silent warfare so to speak where these little bits that we can't even see just attach itself onto this rock and then other things attach and then before you know it you've got these plants growing out of these rocks which is fascinating what struck me as I read that sign is that is what unforgiveness does that's exactly how unforgiveness operates it starts off as this little stain in our relationship, in our thoughts, in our feelings towards somebody in our lives, maybe towards ourselves, maybe towards a parent or a relative or the shopkeeper or great-grandma Esmeralda who's now dead. It starts off as this little stain in our thinking, in the way we treat that person, the way that we respond and before you know it, it changes the way that we relate to that person. It changes the way that we think about that person and then we start avoiding that person because we really don't know what to say to them because all our thoughts about that person are consumed with this sense of they did me wrong and I don't want to face them because they really hurt me. And before you know it, you have these plants in, a, in our relationship growing where we just have nothing to do with this person that hurt us. And, and the plants have roots and the roots get down into this surface of our heart which is like the rock, which becomes rocky because we hold this unforgiveness, we hold on to this bitterness in our lives and say, that person hurt me and do you know what? I'm going to hurt them back by not being nice to them, by not actually maintaining my relationship with them, by holding off in my love for them. Unforgiveness is a weapon of the enemy that kills, steals and destroys. There is absolutely no goodness that comes out of unforgiveness. None whatsoever. Here, Matthew 18, um, most of us would know this story Jesus shares with his followers. Reading from uh, verse 21. Interestingly, uh, before I read it, this comes after Jesus teaching the disciples how to handle offence. If somebody offends you, somebody sins, you go to them one-on-one. If they don't respond to that, then you take a couple of witnesses. If they don't respond to that, you take them before the church and deal with it in that way. If they don't respond to that, then you treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector, which is to show them undying love and treat them with grace and mercy. So this teaching comes straight after that. Peter came up to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. 
The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, a couple of dollars. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. This is a really punchy teaching from Jesus. It's not that Jesus is meek and mild and, you know, all gentle and soft and loving about the love of the Father and, you know, God is good, God is kind, God is generous, which is all true. None of this changes any of that. But in the aspect, when it comes to unforgiveness, when we hold under unforgiveness in our hearts, in our lives, we do not receive our Father's forgiveness. Interestingly, look at verse uh, 26, 27. The servant goes to the master and he says, be patient with me and I will pay back everything. Here's his promise. He's like, I'll pay it all back to the master. And the, master's, the master took pity on him and cancelled the debt. It wasn't just that the master extended like a long-term payment plan to him. It wasn't, all right, you've got 12 months interest free and then we'll review it at the end of that. The master says, we cancel the debt. And then the servant goes out from having received that grace and that mercy from his master and does not operate with the same mindset, does not show the same grace and mercy to somebody who owed, owed him. And this, is, this is why unforgiveness is such a big deal for us in the church because we know the Father's forgiveness for each and every one of us. Simon, a few months ago, shared um, from Luke and, and the story of Jesus going to Simon's house and having dinner with Simon, the Pharisee, and a woman comes in and starts washing the feet of Jesus. And there's this conversation between Jesus and Simon the Pharisee, because Simon's like, surely Jesus would know that this woman is a sinner. And Jesus says, this woman has not stopped kissing me since I came in. She has not stopped washing me. She has not stopped washing my feet. And Simon, you did none of those things. Because she has been forgiven much, she loves much. But if you've been forgiven little, you love little. And so here we have the servant. He's the other way around. He's been forgiven much, but he doesn't actually understand what he's been given. And so he doesn't actually extend that same grace and forgiveness to one of his fellow servants. And this is why unforgiveness is like poison. Because when we hold on to it, we, not, we bring down our fellow people. And it might not be that we physically bring them down, but in our own hearts, in our own minds, in our relationship with them, 
we fracture that relationship, we fracture that connection. And when we fracture the connection with one another, then we fracture ourselves as a community. And we actually hinder what it is to receive the Father's blessing in our lives. Jesus says, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. It's really, it's true, but it's, it's not teaching that we have very often. And it's hard to deal with, it's hard to share this with people. But when people come, for, when people come forward for, for healing and they don't receive it, one of the questions that we ask is, is there anything, two questions, is there anything you need to confess? Is there anyone you need to forgive? Because both of those will stand in the way of us receiving healing. It might not be the only thing, but they're two things that stand in the way. And it's, it's on us. It's not on anybody else. And the stupidity of unforgiveness, I think Joyce Myers, the one, is credited as saying it, but I don't actually think she takes credit for it, and I don't think it's hers. But it's, uh, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Do you get that? Unforgiveness is like me drinking poison and me expecting the other person to die. But it becomes a lifetime of drinking poison because unforgiveness, studies are now showing that unforgiveness actually has physical and mental and emotional impact in our lives. It's not just a spiritual thing that Jesus talks about in the Bible. There's now studies where um, cancer patients, as, as, along with radiotherapy and chemotherapy, are now going through emotional therapy and forgiveness therapy to work out if there's anybody in their lives that they need to forgive. And that's in the secular world. That's not even in church land. So the world is getting this idea that forgiveness actually impacts every part of our lives. Yet we hold on to it in the church because it's easier to bear a grudge than it is to actually go and face a person and deal with it. Matthew 6, just after Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. And then he goes on, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If we don't forgive people that sin against us, we don't receive the Father's forgiveness. And I know that it can be really, it can be really challenging to forgive people that have hurt us. And maybe we've held on to this hurt in our lives for so long. For some people, it's decades. For some of you here today, you need to forgive somebody that's no longer alive. You might think, well, that's really weird. Well, no, it's not for the dead person's benefit, it's for yours, because you're still alive. And unforgiveness seeps in like that algae, like the lichens, like the moss, it sits on the rock and it seeps in and then eventually bitterness and anger and rage and malice grow within us, all because we haven't extended forgiveness to our brother or sister. And the other person doesn't have to know Jesus, you know Jesus. That's enough to forgiveness. And here's the other thing, unforgiveness doesn't mean that you trust the person. So often I think people, we can kind of get caught up, oh, if I, if I forgive this person, it means I have to trust them. That's not true. Tr trust 
is gained over time and is, is the relationship, is the rebuilding of the relationship. My wife and I, we've had to work through that as we shared a couple of weeks ago when we talked about lust and we talked about love after marriage and working through different layers of forgiveness and what it was to go through those layers of forgiveness and what it was to rebuild that trust that we wanted in our relationship. But the forgiveness is a process that each one of us goes through, needs to go through, towards a person that might have hurt us. Before it hurts us, before it poisons us more than it already has. Mark 11, 24 and 25, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, in prayer believe you've received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Somewhere, I don't remember being taught this earlier on in life, but somewhere along the way, we've lost this basic principle of what it is to forgive and be forgiven. And we talk to people and I can, I've seen people crippled by unforgiveness. I don't know how else to put it crippled, physically crippled because of the unforgiveness in their lives. Unforgiveness is now classified in medical books as a disease. Unforgiveness increases our heart rate, our blood pressure can lead to ulcers, sickness, disease, lethargy and other medical conditions. Unforgiveness rejects the blood of Jesus and the work of the cross. Unforgiveness denies the Father's forgiveness in my own life. Unforgiveness opens the door for the devil to get a foothold in my life. Unforgiveness poisons relationships and creates divisions. Unforgiveness stops me from receiving the Father's blessing in some or all of my life. Somewhere along the way, we've, we've lost what it is to actually live in right relationship with one another and restore healthy, godly relationships, even with the people that have hurt us. And as, as a community, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to say enough's enough. We have to face this. We have to forgive people, not expecting that we'll get something in return, not expecting that the other person might even change their ways. It's not about that. Unforgiveness is all about me releasing the hold and the weight that I have against another person and submitting them and myself to the love of the Father. One John one. Hmm. This is the message, uh, verse five. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you: God is light; in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Verse seven. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. I feel like it's simple and complex all at once. Unforgiveness will kill you. Unforgiveness will poison you in spirit, soul and body. 
Unforgiveness does nobody any good whatsoever. And I think it's different for every single one of us. Some of us might, some of us probably are just going through life going, I have nobody to forgive. Anybody that's wronged me, I've forgiven. I don't bear a grudge. I don't hold anything against anybody. But getting ready for today, I really had a sense that there are many of us who are bearing a grudge, who are holding unforgiveness against somebody in our lives. And in forgiving somebody, it's not excusing their behaviour. I think sometimes we can go, well, if I forgive them, it says that what they did was all right or they're off the hook. Listen, it's, judgment is not your job. <coughs> judgment is not my job. It's not up to us to make sure that that person gets what they deserve. That's between them and the Lord. What is, what is up to me is to come to a place where I can honestly, wholeheartedly stand before God and say, I forgive this person for how they wronged me. Some of us need to forgive our parents or our grandparents. Some of us need to forgive our spouses. I want to lead you in a time of forgiveness. So if you just want to close your eyes, bow your head, whatever it takes for you to be comfortable, not distracted. And this is uh, really general, but I hope if this is something that you need to do in your life, maybe you need to forgive myriad of people, you might need to forgive a group or an organisation, you might need to forgive the church, you might need to forgive church leaders, whatever it might be. But I wanted, what I want to do in these last few minutes is for us to um, have a space where we can tune into what Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us. And so as I, as I pray, I want you to take this prayer, pray it in your heart and your spirit, make it personal and lean into what God shows you in this time. You might be surprised in a moment, we'll say, God, is there anybody that I, might, that I need to forgive? And you might be surprised by who God shows to you or whispers to you or reveals to you in that moment. And don't try and excuse it. Don't try and say, oh, no, not them or no, that's too hard. If God is showing you, his peace can carry you through it. Does that make sense? Lord, we thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that we can receive your forgiveness as we receive the people around us. God, we oh, forgive us, God. Forgive us when we step out of line with your plan and your purpose. Forgive us, Lord, when we don't operate out of your love. So here in your, in your, in your spirit and your heart, I just want you to pray this um, after me and see what God shows you. Father God, thank you for forgiving me for all my sins. Because of your forgiveness, I also forgive the person, the group, the people that you show me who have wronged me. For that person who has wronged me. I forgive you for the lies 
that the enemy brought to me as a result of your actions or your words. Lies about myself. Lies about my relationships. Lies about my view of marriage. Lies about my view of parenting. Lies about my view of God. Some of you actually need to forgive yourself in this process. To the person who wronged me and hurt me, I forgive you for bringing fear into my life. It could be fear of intimacy, fear of failure, fear of lack, fear of man. To the person who's wronged or hurt me, I forgive you for opening the door to anger, for opening the door to self-hatred, to opening the door to feelings of worthlessness, for opening the door to shame, for opening the door to sexual perversion, for opening the door to depression, for opening the door to anxiety. To the person who has hurt or wronged me, I forgive you for the lack for the lack of protection, for the lack of love, for the lack of healthy relationship, for the lack of knowing me, for the lack of attention, for the lack of care. To the person who has hurt or wronged me, I forgive you for all of the effects of the pain and suffering that I've had to deal with throughout my life because of what you did or didn't do. And Father God, for these people that we've prayed for, that we've forgiven, we pray that they would know your forgiveness and they would walk in right relationship with you and with us. We pray, God, that they would know the blessing that can only come from heaven through your Son, Jesus Christ. God, for each of us as we sit here, I pray, that we would have a lifestyle of forgiveness. That we would not 
hold grudges, that we would not drink poison and expect the other person to die. Forgive us, God, when we've held things in our hearts and our spirits and our thoughts against other people, recognising that each and every one of us is your son or your daughter. Forgive us, God, when we've held people in judgment and when we've walked away from relationship rather than having the one hard conversation to make things right. Forgive us, God, because of our unforgiveness in our own lives. We've carried it and we've passed it on to the next generation. Forgive us, Father, because we have not lived out your mandate to forgive as we have been forgiven. God, may we be a people that forgive May we teach others what it is to forgive. May we have the hard conversations. May we restore relationships. May we glorify you in the simple things and the challenging things of life. Thank you, God, that you make a way. Thank you, God, that it's because of you, because of your son, because of his death and resurrection. It's because we're covered by the blood of Jesus that we can even contemplate forgiving one another. Thank you for the price that you paid in giving your son so that we could have relationship with you, life forever with you, and know your forgiveness. God, I pray that as we go from this place today, that we wouldn't be uh, just done and dusted. God, that if there's more that we need to do in reconnecting with people, in forgiving people, in being reconciled to people, being reconciled to you, that we would have those conversations, that we would take that time that we would find people that can walk through that process with us. God, may we shine your light in the world. May we be your light in this world. May today be the day that marks a change in our families, in this church, in our community, in this state, in our generations. When we walk in right relationship and forgiveness with one another, knowing the forgiveness we have in you. Thank you, God, that you are here and we are in you.